show is brought to you by MillenniLink, where talent and digital transformations intersect. Jazz, how are you? I'm good, but more importantly, how are you? And how was that fabulous Hamptons trip this weekend? It was really fun. So my close group of friends in the city were called Snacks in the City. Yeah. Uh, and so it was all the snacks, minus two of them, and then a few of their boyfriends. We all got COVID tests last week to make sure everyone was negative. And we basically stayed at the house. There was a private beach you could walk to. We went out twice, one for dinner, once to a winery. And it was just like a really chill getaway. So what was your overall vibe of the place? What did you do? Who were you in a room? What was sort of the get up? So one of my friends, Brittany, so she's leaving. She moved here to New York about two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was moving to London to go to grad school on Monday so we all rented this house as like a last getaway and we Mm -hmm. haven't been together so it's just like a nice like timing and then two of them have like a fiance boyfriend so they came along and then I started dating Trader Joe. He got along with all the friends, Trader like I told Joe you. Trader Joe went on the trip. I'll be honest. I saw the story upload and I was like, could that guy have any more like eight pack, 10 pack? Like I could like do laundry <laughs> on that thing. It looks amazing. <laughs> As we talked about, like I'm usually always single. Like this is not my life. Like I never have boyfriends. Got and it. so when it comes to introducing guys to my friends, like I usually wait a couple months. By then it's already over. So I was definitely like stressing the beginning because I wanted him to have a really good time. But I didn't want my girls to feel like I was like winning them during the trip. And so I put like so much pressure on myself just to please like everyone. But it was nice because he could hold his own. The girls were just like super accommodating, just like easy. Mm -hmm. So it turned out to be a really nice weekend. Friday night, we like cooked. And then Saturday, we made a reservation at Southampton Social Club. Oh, I went there back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like a club spot. But it's not like clubbing. It's like tables, right? It stunk because generally we were like a group of 11 people. And so some just have really long tables very close to each other. This place definitely kept the table six feet apart which is good but it did make like dinner like kind of like awkward to be like half and half um but the food was surprisingly really good look anything in the Hamptons is a win anything in Southampton in this moment is a huge win tell me about your weekend Jess Britt I had the craziest experience on Saturday I have to tell you about it really quick So I was leaving my apartment and I saw the people next to me moved out of my building and they were cleaning out the apartment, whatever, like the weekend before. (laughs) Then the door was open like a tiny crack and they'd already been gone. So I was like, oh, sweet. They must be showing it to prospective renters or whatever. So I like open it a crack a little bit more and I walk right in. All of a sudden I go to the middle of the like to the open space, like totally snooping in. And the painter is in there with the door wide open holding a physical newspaper and Brett, he's going to the bathroom and he's like, hey, what are you doing? And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And oh I just like my God. It out. So unless Is he taking a dump? Oh my gosh, Brett, we do not talk bathroom <laughs> jokes on this show, but he it definitely, Ew. I definitely got that aura, but he was very, I was like, oh my God, like I just about fell into the wall on the way out. It was not a good, it was not a good mix. So I got right out of there. So moral of the story here, guys, you know, if the door's open, got to make the appointment with the broker. <laughs> Jess, so I'm, actively hiring for my company, and I'm genuinely obsessed with our show sponsor, MillenniLink. Not only are they a tech recruiting firm, but they're kind of like professional matchmakers. Oh my gosh, I am also obsessed with our show sponsor, MillenniLink, but (laughs) tell me why they are professional matchmakers. They're matchmakers in the sense that they work with the businesses, understand their like long-term vision for the company, and create this whole workforce plan for the business, and are there to understand what the long-term plan is for the company. 
And then on the flip side, they work with employees, do some professional branding, understand their strengths and weaknesses, and create relationships between companies and prospective employees to make sure it's a really good fit. Millennialink has a pool of talent coming from the U.S. and Canada that have been living or working or educated in both places, and now they're looking for new employment opportunities, and Millennialink is ready to link you up with those tech and IT professionals. One thing that is so great about this business is just how easy it is to use. So you just hit the link in our bio and immediately you will be connected to a recruiter. From there, they will go through all your employment needs with you. And the best part about it is you pay salaries in Canadian dollars. And what I've learned, which I thought was pretty cool, is that many of the companies that work with Millennialink aren't necessarily tech companies. They're companies of all different industries that need tech and IT professionals. So whether you're a part of a small business, medium size, or large enterprise, tech needs are more in demand than ever before. So reach out to the link in our bio, talk to the Millennialink team, and see how they can better support your business needs and your future goals. Guys, I am so excited for tomorrow. We have Serena fucking Kerrigan joining the show, and she's going to be unreal. If you are not familiar with her show yet, Let's fucking date. You were living under a raw, so make sure to tune in for a special episode of Cake for Breakfast featuring Miss Serena fucking Kerrigan. Welcome to today's episode of Cake for Breakfast. Cake for Breakfast is a mix of the news you need, biz, stocks, and tech, and the news you want, celebs, gossip, and beauty. Welcome to Cake for Breakfast. Today on the show, we're talking Jerry Seinfeld's tribute to New York City, Khloe Kardashian's doppelganger, and Paris Hilton's new gig. All right, first up today, Mr. Jerry Seinfeld's getting into a little bit of an internet battle against uh, this man who likes to call him a hedge fund manager. He's more of a media pundit, James Altuker. And I'm going to spell that for people because when I first saw this, I didn't know who it was. And then when I Googled the guy, I'm like, oh my God, it's that guy. It's A-L-T-U-C-H-E-R. And any finance people out there will know exactly who this is once they once they check it out. So Altuker blasts the city of New York in this article he penned, which I feel like got the most attention, right? Britt, how, we've been talking about people leaving New York since we started the show. Yeah, I mean, people are leaving this, leaving the city left, right, and center. That's for sure. This is the first guy I feel like that got real attention over it. Maybe it's just because Jerry Seinfeld piped in on him. But he basically said this big thing, New York is dead. Then Jerry Seinfeld fought back and he wrote his own essay saying like, James doesn't even live here anymore. How does he know what's going on while he's like pieced off to Florida? And what have we talked about more than anything? Nothing annoys me more then these people who leave New York, they like go to the Hamptons, they go home, move out there with their parents and they have like commentary. They're like, New York is dead. It's not coming back. It's over. It's like, you guys left. How do you know? It is really crazy because I left in New York when people, it was really bad. I was in the city like you were and people were like, how are you doing? Are you surviving? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And then when I went upstate for like a month and a half, I'd read all the news about New York and I'm like, oh my God, are you in the city? Is the world falling apart? So I think that if you were reading about New York City through the news, it's a very different take on what's going on. But this guy goes out and tries to cancel New York. He's not just like, yes, everyone had their opinion like, oh my God, the restaurants are shutting down, this and that. But this guy, first of all, identifies himself as like this true New Yorker, his whole like media pundit is like built in the fact that he's a New Yorker. And he like 
goes out and punches it in the gut and it's like you're not even living here like you can't just cancel new york and also like here. what a wannabe isn't he trying to be like head fund manager and author which is definitely he's definitely self-published he has a comedy seller or something oh like my god that. So that was the big piece is he's an owner or a partner in this comedy club and he's going off about like how there's no access and that and jerry seinfeld's like buddy like i've been doing shows there like it's open like what are you talking about and then it's sort of like they sort of give the joke like how lame is this guy that he has to start his own comedy seller in order to be able to do his own stand-up routine like he's trying to act like new york is going to be lost without him and it's like that's just not the case james man i feel like i don't i never even knew who he was until now oh you know who else i love in this jess seinfeld who people give a lot of shit to because she was married then she met uh jerry like a month later and she's like bye bye and like pieces off to be with him people were kind of like gave her flack for that but like she stands her husband so hard like she puts up on her instagram first thing today like you go jerry like bam i just i love their I love their couple coupleness. So what's interesting to me about this story is here you have Jerry Seinfeld, who's incredibly famous with a guy that I've never heard of, James Ultschulcher and <laughs> whatever his name is. Yeah. But people are so into cancel culture, especially recently. We're always having story about a person getting canceled, a brand getting canceled, a company getting canceled. I'm so over it. People are so quick to assume everything that they read is true. But it's not. And here's a guy who's just like giving into this canceled culture as he's retiring in Florida or he's canceling New York City. Like, who are you? And buddy, Carl Icahn, who's 80, just moved to Florida. Like, that's the type of you're going there to retire. Carl even said like he'd be here. But he's like, look, I'm like 80s, whatever. Like, I'm tired. I want to be somewhere I can relax. So I totally agree with your point. Like, you're just getting going out there for early retirement and you're trying to cancel the city because you can no longer be here. And then can we also hit on the fact that Jerry Seinfeld's like Margot Robbie and I feel like James is like Spidey. He's like a Spencer and Heidi, like D-list, lowbrow, celeb level. And I was kind of at first like, okay, why is Jerry giving this guy so much attention? But in all honesty, like he was not nice in that article. Like honestly, is Jerry trying to cancel James? But I kind of don't hate it. I was just going to say that. (laughs) James tried to cancel New York City, so Jerry canceled James. I love Jerry for New York, though. What screams more New York? York than Jerry. Well, talking about other reality star, whatever you want to call them, we haven't talked about the Kardashians recently. So I wanted to bring them up. It's been a few months, but have you seen Khloe Kardashian's post that went viral of her photo that did not look like her? Britt, can I just acknowledge here that you brought the Kardashian story to the table this episode? And that just makes me so happy and smile because usually you're cancel culturing out my Kardashian stories. So that's you. true. <laughs> and as for Chloe, yes, I saw the Barbie inspired plastic edited photo she uploaded. And to be honest, I was kind of obsessed. Were you? OK, well, so body confidence influencer also Alex Light also backed up Khloe Kardashian as she posted this overly, overly edited photo. And people gave her so much backlash because you couldn't even recognize her. And sorry, let me just interject there. If Khloe had stood up and made fun of herself, maybe, or been like, this is me as Plastic Barbie, something fun like that, I would have been into it. I do agree that her trying to post it as if that was just like her jumping out of hair and makeup and it was all natural. That was a little bit annoying. Yeah. And what got me is that over the weekend I was in my uh, with my girlfriends, like I said, at the Hamptons, we were taking a lot of photos. And after this photo happened, I feel like there was this big movement about like embracing your natural body and showing your curves and showing your stretch marks and like being all natural. It just becomes to a point where like women are always told like what to look like and this and that. But it's a kind of a lose-lose situation in my mind here. It's like, well, if you look really great and you're wearing makeup, you can't post it because you're trying really hard and that's like not cool anymore. 
But then if you post pictures where you are showing all of your whatever, like whether you love them, you don't love them, like whatever, you're all natural. Then no one will date you. No, I wasn't like that. <laughs> but I just feel like no matter what, like there's always a spin on everything and movements start off with good intentions. Like this hashtag, like unfiltered movement, I fully support it. But then it also makes you just feel guilty for posting photos when you are maybe like out to dinner and have makeup and your hair done and whatever else. I come from the beauty industry. I feel like when you look good, you feel good and it's such an empowering transformation. But perfection will probably never be achieved. And so it's a very fine line to me where like I know I'm getting ready for me. But when people start doing things for others, that's when it gets really dangerous. And there's so much competition now with social media and Instagram. I just feel like it's a really hard balance for women in particular to find what the happy medium is, where they can post pictures and feel confident and great about them without feeling like they're going to get some kind of backlash. Well, can I just stop you right there? Because I am obsessed with editing products I think it's so much fun to be able to bring yourself up a notch like if you go to dinner and you want to like sparkle your face a little highlight the colors you're wearing like I love having that capability and honestly five ten years ago it was like only the supermodels and the movie stars those were the only girls who got to hold all the products these beauty amplifying products now they're making it available to mainstream and I posted a couple pictures and done all the editing I can do and I'm like hey that looks a little Victoria's Secret model to me. <laughs> I love that. Hey, okay, so so what's your favorite app? Oh, I use both of them. I use Facetune too for like the cheekbones, you know, you can make your chin pointier, your lips more red. Like I love that one for that because it sort of does it for you. But I love old school Facetune one, which you can take off 10 pounds in two pinches. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> what's your fave? I haven't seen what Facetune two looks like. It, that sounds really great. It's more like you just have to touch the nose. Like, you know, on Facetune one where you have to like go in and move the nose or move the li- like you yeah. adjust it. And then it's like, whoa, it's Frankenstein. Facetune two, you just touch the nose and it like it's just a better it technology. It snaps it into perfection. Yes. Same with the white teeth. I love the white teeth on Facetune two. Oh, I, so that's where like my number my go to is like, all right, I need to whiten my teeth more. Or my lower stomach. I'm like, ah, like that would be my go-to fix. You nut. Do you smooth it out or do you pinch it? I used to, I feel like. Now I'm like so worried about like people being like, wait, the tree looks like it's an S. <laughs> I know. You just got to hold it closer to so the So I body. don't usually use it. I just take a bazillion photos until I get the right photos. <laughs> and I've seen you in action. Man, I love the vulnerability on this. So just the white teeth, that's your first snap. That's the easiest one to do, honestly. Yeah, I mean, like when I was growing up, I never could look up people in magazine and be like, oh, like she looks like me. That's like what I want to be right like I was a lot of blonde models tall skinny big boobs like nothing I could really relate with being like half Chinese half Irish and so I do think that it's cool to see that there's influencers there's a lot of different kind of um, celebs these days and different Mm -hmm. kinds of beauties I have acne and I'm beautiful I have stretch marks and I'm beautiful because that's because I got stretch marks in middle school and I I still am a little bit like ah like hello try growing from that? like five five to five nine in like a year like welcome to stretch marks in your knees well the sad thing is I like did not grow since sixth grade and I got a stretch mark <laughs> <laughs> that sucks so <laughs> moving on <laughs> Time for a Hollywood update. So let's do a state of the union on the movie business right now. So number one, Ben Affleck has moved his latest production up to Canada. U.S. people are not moving into production as quickly as they are in New Zealand, Australia, and Canada. So those are the three hot spots for moving productions, which is really exciting. Number two, Russell Crowe launched a movie this weekend. And this was really the first movie back. So it did $4 million and everyone was 
in my opinion, way too excited about it because that would be like a total flop on a normal weekend, right? But they pivoted. You were telling me upstate you guys have drive-ins right now. So I've been wanting to go to drive-in because I don't see myself feeling comfortable going into a small dark room with a bunch of strangers anytime soon. And there's something sexy about a drive-in too, except no guys in New York have cars. eh, They can always rent them. They're easy. So I definitely think that the drive-in option is amazing. That's how, I mean, that Chainsmoker show, that's how (laughs) it was was, supposed to be like in the Hamptons, didn't really work out. But the drive-ins near my parents, they They are, you stay in your car. It's a huge plot of land, big screen. You go in, bring your snacks. Um, you can listen to the sound right through your radio. Really easy. Um, well, so that's cool. somewhere I definitely want to go. Yeah, we'll try that out. And lastly, Britt, we've got Tenant. Now, this has really been the movie that's going to define if the movie business can last. This is Christopher Nolan's big movie, which is $150 million to produce, an extra $100 million in marketing. It hits theaters this Friday. No star vehicle attached. So what's going to happen here? Yikes. That is crazy. So so there's a lot of talks of like, why can't just movies go right to Netflix versus do they really need to go into the movie theater? Our friend, actually, Jess's boyfriend was telling us, well, all the effects, like when you are making a movie for big screen, there's a lot of different things that you're keeping in mind than just going right to a TV screen in your home. Oh, and from a numbers perspective, to push a movie into theaters, though, it's like 50 to $100 million in marketing dollars to get people into the theater. For Netflix... They can push it on their own ad space. It's one to two million dollars for advertising and it goes straight to streamers. Like from a business perspective, it's a huge bet to be betting $250 million on a movie versus right. say a $50 million for a Netflix release. Well, Britt, you would love this. My brother actually pitched me an idea that I thought was interesting. He was saying, like, why doesn't a movie like why doesn't Apple buy a movie like that? They could buy that movie in pocket change and then they could like lure a ton of new subscribers to their platform. So it'll be interesting to see if like that ends up happening. I thought that was kind of a cool take. But movies like Tenant, they're built for like almost an IMAX. Like I just don't know if we're going to get the same, like you're saying, the same grass doing like a drive-in or direct to digital. Like I don't know if that's going to translate. I'm just kind of urging because I keep on seeing different industries evolve and pivot. And we keep talking about how people are doing really cool things. And entertainment companies are you know, relocating, finding ways to get started. But the movie theaters themselves have not pivoted at all. And I just want them to because I don't want them to be another blockbuster where they just go extinct. Um, and it reminded oh me. Oh, my God, that'd weekend. be so sad. I know. And over the weekend, like I took a soul cycle class, which is normally like also in a confined, dark, small room where you have a bunch of people next to you. And so instead, they use their parking spot spaces and put a tent up moved the bikes outside, and then they were able to do a 100% occupancy class and still be able to move. So I know screens must be heavy, but can't like movie theaters try to move their screens or put chairs out for the parking lots? It's definitely the real estate is the problem, right? It's like they're going to have to, it, they, something needs to happen with these huge spaces. Yes. Because I don't know if if until we have a vaccine, if they're going to be up and running again. It just looks very bleak. And even the theaters in the Midwest, like they're not at 100% capacity. A movie like Tenant is built to sell out every night in July and every night in August. It's already been pushed back, I think, eight times. And finally, they're just kind of like, we got to drop this now. Wow. And and if you think about movie theaters in the Midwest or wherever outside the city, usually they live in shopping malls that are also very much struggling. So could they use the shopping mall parking lots or do something? Like I just feel like there has to be a way where maybe it's like a silent disco where they 
You listen on headphones. I don't know. I, oh my God, I just thought I, of it. What about building cubes? Like everyone has their own little like air cube. You buy an air bubble. I just thought of a creation. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, just I love this next story because I know I just had a getaway, so I can't like complain, but I'm dying to properly travel. But you told me about this. Like when you left Martha's Vineyard, did you feel like it was a vacation or was it more of like a getaway? It was more of an offset, in my opinion. It was an amazing vacation, but I felt like I, I created a home in just like a more beautiful space and a beautiful spot. Travel, we know, is risky. But do you think traveling in luxury makes it less risky? I mean, yeah, I feel like that's the great divide happening in the U.S. right now. It's going to be like rich people, poor people. The rich people are all on like the yachts and like the renting of five star resorts. And then everybody else is like cramming at the beach and getting ticketed for it. True. And the hospitality industry is understanding this and they're learning how to pivot where some hotels are up 60% occupancy while others are seeing the best sell-through rates for the upcoming winter. Luxury resorts are doing like they're like selling like floors in the hotels. Like I remember that from the beginning of the pandemic. There was this bougie like spa hotel in Europe and it was like, we we COVID test every day and you can rent out a floor. Yeah, I mean, that's why we can see people partying on yachts where we're stuck in our apartments yeah. because they're like, I'll take the entire hotel for two months. Yeah. And that's how they're <laughs> able to be in a hotel. But it made me wonder about like travel shaming because even when I had a dinner on a roof, my friend's rooftop with me and five other people. I got the nastiest, nastiest messages. Um, and I, tr- I am taking it seriously. Like I said, I took the COVID test before even going out the Hamptons. But what's your thoughts on travel shaming? Well, I mean, honestly, I did it to you today, right? And I felt really bad about it. But I have a small space that we record in and it's like 34 degrees Celsius outside in the city today. So we can't really have open flowing air when we're recording. And I was just like, hey, you know, let's let's record together next week. And I felt so bad saying that. I truthfully oh, did. No, I would do this. Because you did I mean, everything even- right. You got tested. You posted your test results. I thought that was awesome. Like you made me feel good about it. And then at the same time, I kind of freaked out. I mean, also, like I would be the same way. Like, I have my friend staying with me and she's like, can I have someone over? And my roommate's like, hey, can I have someone over? I'm like, ah, like if they take a COVID test, then like we can have people over. You're strict not- too. I am. And that's, but it's funny because I felt like I had to post our like regiment of like why we're staying in the same house, show my negative test on my Insta stories just so I didn't get shamed. Is it that people are shaming you because they're so concerned about you not being safe? Or they like look at that pool and that hot tub and <laughs> that looks amazing and now I'm jealous because I'm not doing that. Right. I mean, it is like it, I just don't know. And at the same time, like I do get annoyed where, you know, now I'm seeing weddings happening down south and no one's wearing masks. And like, that's frustrating because like we're in this together. Yeah. But where I stand is that everyone is aware of their own health conditions. They're aware of who they're living with, what their family's up to. And they have to make decisions of like what's best for their family. Like if I was living with my parents, um, it would be a different scenario than me living alone in my apartment as a young, healthy adult. Exactly. I'm still really healthy, but it's a balance of having um, you know, also businesses being able to operate with healthy safety measures while making sure no one's taking advantage of it. Yeah. So, like I personally would feel fine about staying in a hotel. But what makes me iffy is the whole flying part. To add on to our favorite word pivot, there has been a pivot in the world of travel, in my opinion. I feel like a year ago, I was like reading Vogue to learn about new five-star hotels in the Caribbean or other places in the U.S., just fun places to travel. The idea of a hotel with a fancy spa and a great pool was so great. But now I want space. Now I I think the air, that's why I believe in Airbnb's IPO to the end, because I just feel like 
that's the future. People are going to start building homes as a getaway travel. I feel like people brag to me now, like, oh, look at the Airbnb I got. It's got a pool, a hot tub, outdoor space. I thought it was kind of funny when you talk so highly about Airbnb because you're a pretty like bougie girl. You like the luxury life. I love And so I can nice see you at the, <laughs> the George Shank in France. Like I can see you at the nicest <laughs> spot. Um, so when I was like, oh, wow, you're really in it for Airbnb. But you're right. It's the pandemic. I think we will like hospitality and services. Like I don't think you can replace that level of service, especially when you want to go on vacation. Yeah. I love the little details of what what defines luxury when I go on a vacation. But right now, we don't need to worry about those. We just need to be staying healthy. And the more space that we have, I feel like that's like that calms our anxiety. Yes. But I still have faith that the hospitality industry will come back and that in a year you're going to be like, I'm dying to go to this five-star resort because... <laughs> let's, be clear, <laughs> let's be clear that I love the five-star luxury lifestyle, but I do more reading about it than actually like doing of it. So. <laughs> fair, fair. Okay, have you forgotten about Paris Hilton lately or is she on your radar? Where are you at with her? Paris, France, you mean? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I did I did forget about her. <laughs> well, she's got a new documentary coming out on YouTube, and I'm highlighting it because the story she's sort of using to, I hate to say this, but sell the show, is one that I was like, whoa, when I started like digging into it a bit. So this YouTube series is similar to the Justin Bieber, I think it's called Seasons, he did last year, which I actually thought was kind of cool. Hailey Bieber was in it a lot, who I love. But basically, these headlines were telling us that Paris Hilton was both sexually and emotionally abused as a young girl in high school. Now, just to wind it back here, when Paris was in high school, her parents and their four kids moved the whole family out to New York City from Beverly Hills. So I think she was like in grade 10 and they moved from, not to feel bad for her, but some like mansion out there to the Waldorf Astoria Hotel randomly enough. So I feel like that's just like a recipe for like this beautiful girl to get into tons of trouble. Like she's in the greatest nightclub city in the world. And it sounds like her parents were quite the socialites. So they had her at like Kent, I think Deerfield. I can't remember if that one's all guys or girls. But she went to all those fancy pants like Riverdale Day. All those schools got kicked out of all of them. Finally, in like grade 11, I believe it was, her mother was like, I've had enough. I'm sending you to reform school. So they ship her out to one of those like scary boot camps. And she said there it was like they threw water in her face. It felt very like... Private Benjamin x me too. So it was a little bit weird in that sense. But um, people were like, Paris, like, why haven't you talked about any of this? Like, you came back. She didn't graduate high school. She came back. And I think her parents were just like, whatever. And they were like, what's going on? And she just said, honestly, I was so scared of those people. I thought if I came back and told my parents what happened, they would haunt me for the rest of my life. And now I'm 40. And here I'm sharing it with you now. Wow. That took her a while to release. I would have never guessed this happened to her. I knew she was a bad kid, like getting kicked out of like four boarding schools in one year. Like you're doing something wrong. Like you're like doing cocaine at school and having sex with your gym teacher. Like something But it turns weird. out she didn't do anything wrong. When she went to the reform, but she definitely was a bad girl in like grade nine and 10. Like she was definitely partying it up too hard in New York to get sent there. Right. So but she's sweet. I love her. Um, obviously, we all know her and Kim Kardashian from the same like sex tape moment of it all. And basically... Kim took off on that because Kim's family like addressed the sex tape, whereas people say when Paris Hilton, when the media sort of hit about Paris Hilton um, having a sex tape, she was very shy, hid behind it, did not address it in public. And Kim's like, you know, we don't really know if she actually got paid the five million or not for it, but that's up for speculation. But they just addressed it better to the audience. Wow. Beforehand, wasn't Kim Paris's assistant? 
she, oh, Kim gets so mad about this. If she wasn't her assistant, she was her stylist and her closet organizer or something like that. Wow. She's come a, come a long way. Yeah. Well, I, I always say Paris Hilton gave Kim the vehicle, but Kim had to drive it on her own. I agree with that. So, Jess, the real question here is, have you also made a sex tape? I have never. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How about you? Tell me. <laughs> no, definitely Did you Mr. Not. Eight Babs? <laughs> Mr. Eight Abs? It's been like three weeks. <laughs> I'll keep you posted oh on that. Oh, my God. Worry. Stop. This is turning into a very inappropriate show. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, talking about sex scandals, the play of the day is The Vow, new documentary on the Nexium scandal. Can I interject here where I literally texted you last night when it premiered and said, hey, Britt, are you watching this? And you're like, oh, I'm familiar with the cult. I was like, what do you mean? You're like, I'm personally familiar with the cult. <laughs> Not that I was in it, Jess, that my friend's godmother was a part of it, which is freaking crazy. So the Nexium scandal essentially was where it was positioned as like a woman's empowerment company. So yes. they would reach out to you and anyone who might have some insecurities or wanted to gain their confidence, they would entice you to become a part of this program. And then you'd give you'd be given like a life coach and you would talk about your deepest, darkest secrets and like work on your body image and whatever. But it turned into very quickly going from like this empowerment, self-confidence program into a sex cult where they would brand the women's like vaginas and take pictures of them basically in like the late 90s was it they started luring a lot of women in but the brit you're missing the biggest part of the story this all took place in your hometown wow you're really adding the juice to this okay because <laughs> i you told me that your aunt was like Brittany. So there's I, some weird stuff so going my, on it was very close to where my my mom grew up and where my grandma aunt and all my relatives on her side um live my aunt a few years back was like you know there's something going on in this area it was like a shopping area where there would always be like Maseratis and all these amazing cars, but they would have like out-of-state license plates. The one thing that made me really angry is they lured a lot of Canadians and, and Mexican women to come into it and they sold them on this dream of like, they gave them a real visa, like a similar visa to which I've been on. And then the government started charging all these women. And I'm like, they were sold on a job. Like it's not their fault that this was a creepy cult. So to break it down for why this is a personal interest yes. is that my friend was getting married and she needed hair and makeup for her wedding. Her godmother owned a beauty company similar to my company, Butini. And so, of course, her godmother did the hair and makeup for the wedding day, got to know her. Such a lovely girl. Um, her daughter stopped by. They attended the wedding. And then a month later, my friend's like, hey, so you know, like the woman who like did our hair and makeup? I'm like, yeah, like she's your family friend. Yeah, of course. She's like, yeah, so if you read about the Nexium scandal, you might hear about her. I'm, I'm like, freaking Wait, out. what? <laughs> and so she was lured in, I don't know how, but like as um, getting a life coach as they all start off with. And then she started leaving her business to take these calls from this coach. And then the daughter even went to like Mexico with her a few times. Like, who knows? It was a very interesting story. And what's sad is that so not only did this company or these people have the Nexium like pyramid scheme, they also owned like a mortgage company and all these different shell companies. So essentially what happened to this woman individually, she was a part of the cult. But then also she took her mortgage out for her house through this company, too. So if she ever were to leave this cult, she would not only leave and get blackmailed with all these like nude photos and all this horrible things that they knew about her. But she would also lose her house and everything. 
Britt, I am still taken on the fact that you knew somebody who was personally invested into this cult. Like, I just, I can't get, get through that. Another thing I wanted to highlight is that this was run in some, like, bougie estate upstate, right? It was, like, a nice big home that was sort of the cult was, like, mandated in? Well, I think they mixed around, like, in different locations. This one was where they almost covered it to be, like, a restaurant or, like, a business. Like, one of the shell companies was in the building, but it was always, like, closed, and it was just, like, it was never actually open. Well, everyone's got to watch this. It's an HBO documentary, and it drops every Sunday night at 10 p.m. Guys, I am so excited for tomorrow. We have Serena fucking Kerrigan joining the show, and she is going to be unreal. If you are not familiar with her show yet, Let's Fucking Date, you are living under a rock. It was the best content put out in quarantine. If you're not following her already, please follow her on Instagram at Serena Kerrigan, S-E-R-E-N-A-K-E-R-R-I-G-A-N. She is a confidence queen. She's a baller. She's good looking. She's so fun. And we cannot wait to learn more about her tomorrow. So make sure to tune in for a special episode of Cake for Breakfast featuring Miss Serena fucking Kerrigan. If you love what you heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe. Hit that subscribe button on Apple or follow us on Spotify. It's giving back to the business. You can add us on Instagram at girlonthestreet underscore or at Brittany.low. Check out that thirst trap she posted. And at Cake for Breakfast Podcast. All right, that's all for today. Don't forget to tune in Tuesdays and Thursdays for Cake for Breakfast. And thank you to today's sponsor, Link. You can find more information and details in our episode description. And that is www.millennialink, M-I-L-L-E-N-I-L-I-N-K.com.